most of the machines in their bedrooms, their studios, their best friend's garage or basement. For those who negotiate the system every day to make time for the music that matters. For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame from compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who sacrifice relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This is Bass Agenda. 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 Hello, this is Lego Welt. You're listening to Bass Agenda. Welcome to Base Agenda. This month, Dutch producer, legendary producer, knocking out great electronic music since the early 90s. Lego Velt is going to dominate the first hour and a half or so of the show. Got a great interview with him, covering his influences, what he makes of EDM, creativity, and what he's got planned for the future too, and a hell of a lot more besides that. You're going to hear from him throughout the show. In the second part, I'll be dropping some electro. It's caught my attention lately from Cultivated Electronics, Jackal and Hyde, Amber Clap, and many more. Stay locked.
when I was a kid at a normal age, I guess, then you start noticing uh, music. I don't know when I was three or four years old, but uh, what my parents played, I guess, or what I heard on television or, or radio now and then. At a turning point or the first time I, I heard music where I said, wow, this is so cool, so, so new. Uh, I want to make that myself. That that was probably a, a bump the bass beat this because that was quite a, a hit here in in Holland. And uh, when I heard that on on TV as a little kid or on the radio, it was like, I, I noticed uh, this, this is something new. It's something uh, unique, you know. And it was like really, I got really energetic when I heard that heard that track because it was different than. Uh, the old boring stuff I, I kept on hearing and yeah at a certain age you also want to rebel against that, against that I guess but I, I must have been like eight or something when the track came out I guess this is S-Express team from S-Express that was around the same time I guess well it's if you're yeah. of course I, I listened to a lot of hip-hop too that, that was all also everywhere around in the 1980s you know on the radio on on tv uh what was it like well of course the the old school electro hip-hop like uh, uh schoolie d or mantronics uh, i re I, I can remember that i really liked that uh, mantronics baseline track uh, that I, I didn't know yet that was like a, a, a TR909 and a TB303 but um, yeah and uh, yeah, what, what else was there old, uh, even Old Man Parish that was also on the radio here
first time I made music uh, with an electronic instrument was, was with a Commodore Amiga computer. And uh, that one has, a, of course, you, you could play like uh, four tracks of samples with it. It's, it's quite a, um, well, it, it, it's basically a sampler. You had to buy a little sampler module for it, but it, you know, it, it works as a sampler and a sequencer. And I guess it was in uh, 1992 and um, yeah, the, the internet wasn't there yet or didn't exist. So uh, if you wanted to have information about uh, your computer, you would buy a computer magazine every month. And uh, uh, these Amiga uh, computer magazines came with uh, floppies on the front, which had uh, mostly like game demos. Uh, uh, but sometimes also utilities and then uh, one day uh, or <clears throat> one, one month it came with uh, Octamed, which is a, a fa famous uh, a Finnish music uh, uh, tracker sequencer and I, I guess a, a, a lot of uh, also electro uh, producers have used it. Um, yeah, so it, it came free uh, with a magazine and, and I tried it out and yeah, then I was uh, uh, hooked. It was so exciting to make your own tracks with just uh, that, uh, you know, like, this, uh, this software. So I got a MIDI interface a few months later and, and maybe a year later I bought my first uh, synthesizer and then uh, well, the story went on, so to speak. You know? But the first time when you use such uh, software, you have no idea what you're doing. It, it really took, took a couple of tries to understand the concept even. And uh, of course, in the magazine, there was a little um, uh, manual with, with uh, pictures, but still uh, when, you, when you're kind of like a young kid and you're not so good in English yet, then it's, it's kind of difficult to figure it out. But uh, I think after, you know, uh, after a week, I understood the concept of it, uh, how you could make like melodies and um, basically you had to program your, your, your melodies and beats with, with the keyboard and you choose your sample and put it on the, on the right place. really have a creative uh, standard process I'm, I'm quite uh, chaotic and uh, like you say uh, messy yeah that, that's a good description uh, I'm, I'm very chaotic in my in my head but uh, there are of course certain ways to uh, control that and uh, I guess uh, some important things also to stay um, a little bit fresh creatively is uh, to, to have curiosity you know I, I think that's, that's very important uh, 
because uh, yeah, if you're not curious, you just as well yeah, might be a, a sea cucumber rotting away in its own uh, dribble slime or something. But um, yeah, if, if you have interest for stuff that's outside the mainstream media, you know, and, and uh, I guess that that's good for the brain. And um, yeah, also to have curiosity in in different music styles. Because uh, I guess if you, if you just keep listening to one certain style, yeah, yeah, you get an in inbreeding, I guess, in your in your mind, and then maybe at, at least for me, you know, I I could never create just one uh, music style. It, it would be uh, like being in a in an, uh, an artistic prison.
listening to Base Agenda. chooses me and, uh, if you uh, like to put it like that because uh, uh, sometimes I just start playing on a, a keyboard or, or synthesizer and then um, yeah and the, the, the synthesizer kind of controls where, where I'm going you know like with the sounds I program and then um, yeah so but sometimes I need to work on something where you got ideas in your head and then you know well this Synth is quite good for strings or something, or for uh, for bass lines. And, you know. But m- most of the time, it's it's really the the um, uh, kind of the, the machine that gives me uh, something, and that's what I work uh, with. That that's that's uh, the way I I like uh, I like the most uh, uh, to work like that. Because it can it, it can be very surprising sometimes, uh, especially um, with like a, a digital scenes from the early 90s. You can get really weird sounds out of there. That's, 
and not so not common and then you, know, you can get really inspired by that stuff like the Roland D10 or GV2080 or Emu, Emu made some cool uh, stuff what's that thing called again the, the, the Morph, Morpheus or something a crystal cat shines in the night no one cries for a helpless girl the violence it's a righteous man the violence the sick again as you'd expect with Lego Velt, it's been very difficult to drop everything into the show. So much great music made by this guy. Today I'll give you a little flavour, but be sure to go digging deeper. Full track list and download of the show as usual is up on soundcloud.com slash bassagenda over the weekend. Also on iTunes, coming up after this track, we're going to get a bit nostalgic, head back to the 80s. Listen to me, what we do here, it's fucking essential. It's like oxygen. The world's dying of a thousand heart attacks. We heal them up. It's a goddamn public service what we do. It's not, it's not, that's the only reason to make music. Music, music, music. Stereophonic sound. Stereophonic sound for the dance music. 
Bump the Bass song. That was also the, I guess, the first time I, I thought about it. And then, like, how could you make that? Because uh, it's, it's not his own music, but it is. Or did he make everything himself? Because I, I understood that it couldn't be made like with normal instruments. And uh, so I also, also realized then that it must be made like a, with, with computers or strange magical electronic instruments. Um, uh, but of course it was a sampler mainly and a, and a drum machine. Keep this frequency clear. Next up, we're going to play a few tracks that Lego Velt's chosen himself, ones that he's particularly proud of making. He found it difficult to choose a short list as well. There was no doubt what he has chosen. It's very special stuff indeed. Kicking off with this monster under his alias Squadra Blanco. This track's called Night of the Illuminati.
this is the Egyptian Love, and you're listening to the Base Agenda Radio Show, baby. important for me because I, I just got a, got out of school when I made it. I was all fresh and I real I realized basically my job was being like a, a producer because I was already uh, making uh, some money with uh, producing, releasing records and uh, doing remixes and playing shows. So yeah, when I finished uh, school, I didn't have to choose a, a career or job. I, I was already in, in you, know, you know kind of like a settled. And um, yeah, so I, I thought, well, now I have all this time, so I wanted to show off kind of what I, what I could uh, do in my studio. So I, I also made that album <clears throat> in, a, in a week or so. And then uh, Ferenc IF asked me to do a record for one of his labels. And um, well, that, that became uh, Holosynthesis uh, 001, the, the Squadra Blanco. And, um, yeah, that, that's the only record on that label, I think, yeah. Um, but maybe there will be Squadra Blanco 2 in the future. Who knows? The most mysterious island in Japan is Yonagunizuma, and it's my pleasure that I can talk about the mystery of Yonagunizuma on this occasion.
uh, it, it's a track I, I really like myself because um, yeah, you, you can hear it in the track. It, I was kind of like uh, researching or studying like uh, what Stravinsky did in 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 a track, like with with the notes and um, uh, the scales and uh, and then how the chords go. So I. <clears throat> I hustled that a, a, a little bit around, you know, and, and make my own uh, um, interpretation of his music, which is, is a bit more, uh, yeah, uh, more simpler, of course. But yeah, yeah, hence the hence the title, croissant with uh, Stravinsky, because it's like uh, eating breakfast with him, I guess. Yeah, uh, it it could also have been called lunch with Stravinsky, or yeah. Or a dinner with Stravinsky, but that's already a, a Donna Summer song. Not on, not with Stravinsky, but with uh, Gershwin, I think. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the 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 titles are, are sometimes quite important, or it, a track title can be very important because it's kind of like a, a a mini poem that can describe the track. It's of course not necessary, but. Yeah, it can interest also people uh, to listen to start listening to the track, you know, when when they see it somewhere on the record and go, oh, maybe. But um, yeah, that, I, I write down a lot of stuff I see everywhere, you know. You just gotta keep your eyes open and then hustle it about in your brain a little bit, or you know, or sometimes I just. Uh, doing groceries or something and then I think of a, a track title and then I go, oh yeah, I should uh, remember it.
This is Escape One. This is the stimulation of the base agenda. Well, this is a dream, uh, or, uh, basically the whole amateur space jazz album. Uh, that's, that's the title of it, uh, Unfolding the Future with Amateur Space Jazz. Uh, for me, um, I, I, I really like that album myself, because uh, back then, or it's like last year or two years ago when I made it, I wanted to make something a little bit more uh, deeper, something that would uh, massage the soul a little bit uh, more. And um, like, uh, I wanted to kind of go through a, a new uh, barrier of my possibilities and um, uh, do something I hadn't made before. But yeah, in the, in the end, uh, most of the album is, is easily uh, recognizable as my my uh, sound, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I also recorded most of that album without any sequencers. Um, of course, some, uh, some, there are some sequences in it, uh, but most of the stuff is, is played uh, with hands and uh, also improvised straight out of nowhere. Uh, and all made in kind of one week in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a huge haze. Because, uh, yeah, you, you kind of just stay home and don't um, socialize much, you know. It's kind of like a, like a ritual to, to make it. And, and yeah, then you got to catch the, catch the creativity, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I also did that track in one take. When I heard it back, I had no idea what I, uh, that I made that. You know, I was uh, I couldn't remember really making it. So that that's why it's uh, also a bit mysterious for me to to hear it back. I mean, I was like like hypnotized or something.
the whole album for me is is a is a, a work of genius and uh, but yeah I can talk hours about this album and um, I think I saw this track uh, for the first time on MTV because back in the in those days MTV would play uh, a lot of weird stuff like also non-pop music uh, especially on Saturday and Sunday nights and uh, it, it used to be an important source to, to hear new weird stuff, you know, especially if you were kind of uh, isolated from record stores and, and stuff like that. Yeah, so that was the first time I heard it and it was like, wow, this is also went like, oh, this is something special. It doesn't sound like all the, all the, uh, you know, like a funky house and or, or a hardcore Hubbard. Evaporatingly, strangely mysterious, especially if you're a little bit younger. Uh, and I, I was obs obs uh, I was extremely obsessed with this track. I would I would play it for hours and, and try to understand its significance uh, and stuff like that, you know. And uh, how it starts with this simple uh, bleep melody. It's, it's like, like some uh, deep mystical arcane version of popcorn or something, you know, like, like it's, it's, I guess it's the same bleep. And then this smudged out uh, Roland R8 uh, drum machine rolls in. Uh, 
and also th that huge bass line that comes in which is like a wooly giant wall of clouds that, that's how it sounds you know and, and then all, all in a little sauce of uh, vintage roland reverb I, I guess i'm not sure but it's a huge influence uh, of course very well hear that in, in my music, uh, I think, yes. It has an interesting, uh, uh, I call it a melancholical vibe to it. The feeling it, it transmits is, is a kind of, yeah, it's, it's not a very comfortable feeling, I guess, but also not a very extremely sad feeling. It, it's it kind of, it's like a, it has like a hopeful vibe to it, with a little bit on the edge.
that history now that the history is is bigger you know there's there's more music more people in, into it probably you know and uh, it's, it's, there's more uh, ages uh, age groups basically that, that like this music you know you have the people that, that grew up with this music in the 80s or 90s and uh, these people are in their 40s now you know or 50s or even 60s so um, yeah, you get uh, uh, older people in, in the scene, so to speak, and uh, yeah, and then yeah, the, between that and what what's happening now, there there's like two or three other generations, you know. So they, they each have their own uh, particular history and influences on, on this. Uh, yeah, how would you call it? Un underground electronic music scene or e electro scene, I guess in this case. Yeah, that makes the history richer and it means there's much more culture around it, you know? is a side by side rewrite against the hordes of EDM you know like the, the horsemen of the apocalypse you know, going into into the crowds of EDM idiots now I I, I despise it it's, it's horrible it's it's like the lowest form of culture uh, always people think you know if if, if you um, if somebody asks well uh, what, what do you do and he says yeah I'm, I'm a music producer what kind of music yeah like uh, electronic music like techno and house and then they go oh like uh, Skrillex or uh, Dead Mouse or uh, what's that other guy called uh, I don't know the Mar Martin Martin Garrix or something and I said no but because it's that, that makes me more uh, angry because. Because it, it, it's basically kind of the same music, you know, in, in genre-wise, you know, if, if you put it like really uh, 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 root, you know, like, oh, this is electronic music, yeah. to EDM, uh, you know, wankers, there's going to be uh, maybe three, maybe two, maybe if it's just one, one out of, you know, that's it's, it's going to be a little bit uh, more deeper about it, yeah. yeah, well, maybe they get higher in the future,
time I work on a trick, yeah, that can be anything from, from five minutes if, if I just play the keyboards live and, and, and uh, record it like uh, like the emotional wealth is a dream track, you know, that it's just a recorded live and then uh, a lot of the ambient soundtrack stuff I make is, is done very quickly. Of course, uh, sometimes uh, I can also edit it or make new melodies and, uh, with the sequencer and or try out stuff. But, um, and, and sometimes it can uh, take years too. If, for example, if I found an, uh, find an old project in my computer from, from many years ago and I think, hey, that's, that's cool, and let's finish that. Well, technically, that's not really a few years because we don't work on it in years in between, of course. Yeah, you, you know what I mean.
101 uh, album was probably the first record I bought in a in a real uh, uh, import record store, you know, a, a store for house and techno music. And uh, when I got it, I also noticed uh, it, it sounded kind of different than most techno or house that was coming uh, out back then, or was playing uh, played on the on the radio stations. And um, it was more sinister, I guess, and and almost very rebellious music. Uh, it, it had this like punk, raw energy to it, but then at the same time, the, these these incredible, yeah, also mysterious melodies and, and atmospheres. And um, yeah, it, it, it was so different from the infantile themes uh, from from the house records back then. You know, with like a, oh, be happy, let's party, oh oh. Um, this was this was a, a little bit more intellectually, uh, more sophisticated, if that's the right word. Yeah, and it also the cover uh, of that record uh, with the underground resistance thing going on, with these like vague, um, what are these like vague fragments of photographs. And I think you see Robert Hood, I, I guess it's him, with some kind of a virtual reality helmet on, on his head. And yeah, this is like 1992, so this was like cutting edge futuristic, uh, you know. And yeah, I, I just picked that uh, record up because I have never heard, heard it before. So when I yeah, discovered Underground Resistance and this whole thing, I was, I was very mesmerized uh, by it. music coming up next a couple of tracks he's chosen that have impressed him lately kicking off with a great track from up sammy called another place only you can decide that a piece of music is more than something for today it endures music you want to hear it's that rare quality which pleases when one first hears and pleases more and more as one grows familiar with it the only difference between this and some other listening time spent with purely pop recordings is that you could listen to this oftener. And right here, right here, let's listen to what I mean. Mm-hmm. 
really like this uh, Upsami uh, Another Place track because it's so um, so energetic and uh, fluctuating. Uh, it, it really sounds like uh, um, uh, untamed machines going wild, you know? and, uh, and it's also so simple. It's just one uh, synthesizer riff repeating and repeating and flowing in and out. Like like a, like these yeah really like waves uh, of the ocean, and then over this uh, quacking duck-like bassline, it's, it's kind of a funny bassline, and then it's all t- tweaked to ecstatic heights, and then, and then these drum patterns they're they're all over the place. It, you know it's like that uh, Muppet from uh, the Animal, the drummer yeah go, going all over. You know? alarm I also really like it because it's uh, it's also kind of like really loose but then the, there's this break with this uh, beautiful voice uh, like a very serene uh, voice like a, almost like a siren you know like the, the, from, the, from the myth and uh, it's very contrasting to the rest of the track which are these um, synthetic wild bleeps which can almost hear the, the sparks flying off you know uh, it's very electronic sounding and, and with this uh, extremely typical uh, SH-101 uh, porridge bass lines. Mm-hmm. 
track for the first part of the show here this is Sturm Virgil by Lego Velt. I'd like to dedicate this one out to Camille aka TF Hats for his help getting this show together. After this we're going to check out a few new tunes from other artists including Sestrian, Andrew Redhand and Attics. Hold tight.
Um, well, yeah, some news, um, some upcoming stuff is um, EPO Clone Records of uh, Star Simulator 2. Uh, that's, yeah, there's some clone records. And uh, there's also an electric track on there, like uh, old school. Not, not old school 80s, but uh, for me, old school electric track. And, um, and uh, then there's a, um, a reissue on vinyl uh, from my Semi Osmo album coming out. Uh, it's gonna be like in a gatefold cover and stuff like that. And uh, what, what else? Um, yeah, um, some cassette tapes on my Nightwind record label. Or, uh, I don't know the, the names and titles yet. Uh, it's gonna be a few. And um, gig-wise, I'm gonna do a little um, Asia tour in December. I'm gonna play China for the first time. Uh, and then I go to Japan and Tokyo and well, there, there's a lot of gigs before that and you can always check it out on uh, legowelt.org for the, for the latest news. Yeah, yeah I, I, I came back from the US uh, t- uh, two weeks ago. I, I, I only played two shows, uh, but they were both uh, uh, really, really uh, uh, nice uh, uh, shows. Uh, one was in uh, Brooklyn and uh, elsewhere very good and then the other one was a sustained release festival in the in the forests upstate new york actually uh, next to uh, i think where uh, bootstock used to be or that that festival but then in the forest part and that was a really cool festival
here from Frank de Groot, aka The Operator. He's going to be out on the second in the Cultivated Electronics series from the dark. Coming up next, something nice and frightening from Sestrian, a track called Lard.
David Electro out right now. Before this track, you heard Andrew Redhand with In the Cemetery. This track is Amper Clap, a track called Asymmetric. Special mention for the release that this one's on, curated by Californian artist Aek, as in A E C K. On a new label, Awkward Aches Recordings, you can get this and uh, the full release from Bandcamp. The release is called Inferno Statements. 20 great tracks from across the sound spectrum. All money being raised, helping the victims and organizations who helped the victims of the Northern California fires. Check it out on awkwardachesrecords.bandcamp.com. You don't have this item. The door is open. You don't have this item.
course, was the unmistakable sound. Jacqueline Hyde, new track from them, Anywhere in the Galaxy, out on Dominance Electricity. So heavy, love it. Then we slipped into this track, which is Sawtooth from Attics. This is on his Resonators EP, just been released on Base Agenda Recordings. And one more track left before we end the show, and that is from an excellent artist from Scotland, Soundex Phonetic. The album came out late last month on Stoned Wave Records from Germany. Album's called Era. This next track coming up is the deployment of the Manta Droid Subfighter Pilots. Great album, well worth checking it out.
it at the end of another show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Lego Belt for taking part in the show. Really nice to get him on after all these years. Next month, my guest will be the Micronauts from France. He'll be talking about his new album and choosing some fine cuts for us to enjoy. Have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers. So this is a little bonus section for you. Uh, as I said in the main part of the show, Legavelt's done so much music and that led to a nice long interview, a bit longer than I could fit into my radio slot. A few weeks ago I asked you on Facebook if you had any questions you'd like me to pass on to Legavelt. I think we got most of them covered in the main part of the show, but there were three left over that I didn't want to miss out. So a little bit more music coming up and the first of the three questions from somebody looking to tap into Legavelt's expertise. So the question was, what is my favorite dynamic uh, processor and why? Well, well, to answer this question, I need to have the uh, back of a cover of the Amateur Space Jazz um, a record. Uh, I, I guess that's the Yamaha GSP uh, 100. It's a, a, a very strange magic box and it's a sort of very late 80s early 90s uh, guitar amp simulator uh, like it, it, it was made to put your uh, if you didn't have a guitar amp you could uh, plug it into that box um, but uh, let me read the liner notes of the back of the amateur space jazz album which has a description uh, i wrote uh, about this beautiful machine um, the um, yeah, the, the, there's not much known about this Japanese uh, GSP100 guitar effects processor. It m must have come out around 1990 and was part of the Yamaha Studio 100 series, a short-lived run of micro studio equipment centered around the cassette multi-track recorder. 
best described as a guitar pre-amplifier distortion parametric EQ box, it shines of course way brighter when used on something it wasn't designed for, for example a, a synthesizer. The parametric EQ is of a sophisticated nature, warm and sprinkled with lots of characteristic dust. The distortion is not mindlessly harsh and barbarous, instead almost gentle to the ears, with a smooth iced cake layer in the highs and a juicy crisp bottom. Kind of like a wafer cracker or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a description of this machine. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the the, the, the machine is uh, used on every track on it. Question up. This was asked by Brando Lafreaky on uh, Facebook. What gear has eluded Legovelt over the years? It can be something extremely simple, like a Casio MT750. Uh, uh, Actually, that is, that is um, gear that has eluded my possession because I've been looking for it for years somehow. And it, it's a very stupid uh, home keyboard with very uh, simple uh, synthesis uh, functions. But it, it's just because it sounds so um, kind of funky, lo-fi, like PPU style, you know. And, um, it, you know, they made a lot of them, so they, sh they should have uh, 
should be easy to find, but for so somehow they, they never work when I uh, get them, or yeah, they fall apart, or there's something loose, uh, or the the seller uh, uh, retreats and says it's like broken. But it, it's it's only probably gonna cost me like 25 euros. Uh, you know, but yeah, of course pe people probably wanted to hear something spectacular, you know. Like a MOOC, uh, a modular 3C or something, but yeah, other than, I, know, I, I, I honestly would have uh, gonna have more fun with the MT750 than with a, a MOOC uh, 3C. And that, that's, that's not anti-MOOC because I have a lot of MOOC stuff and I use it all the time. But, uh, of course, I would choose the MOOC uh, 3C if I had to choose because it's worth a lot more money, you know. But, what is it like thirty thousand dollars or something? You know? Then I can buy a, buy a lot of Casio MT seven hundred fifties with that if I sell it. You know? mm. <laughs>
final question. Does Lego Velt still make music using the Commodore 64? Um, yeah, I, I, I only did like really like one one album with it, 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 uh, with the Commodore 64, but it it's it it keeps on getting kind of like uh, reissued or it's released on cassette and then on something else. So that's uh, yeah, but. It's a very electronic, uh, good-sounding machine, you know? It's, it's almost like a real uh, synthesizer, too, that, that little SIT chip, you know? It's got like a filter, and it's one of the most haunting pulse-width modulation uh, sounds, you know? Like these dark, uh, evolving strings, you can make that uh, very good with that, yeah. But it's not like I used the Commodore 64 in the studio, like, uh, together with... Uh, uh, it's just a... Uh, also a little hobby to program it and stuff, you know. Yeah, I guess because it's um, it's such a limited machine and such a contrast with an, an, an Apple or something, so it, it, it gives so much more, um, how do you call it, weight to just having text on, on its screen, you know, because it's, or like even like uh, pressing the space bar and program, programming that, it's, it's, it's almost like a, something magical is happening you know because it's such um, rudimentary machine because it's so simple you know and and just also nostalgia of course uh, yeah. uh, I guess uh, pirates is my favorite game uh, yeah and um, I, I, I tried to play the Commodore 64 you know like the games now and then but then I get bored so so quickly uh, no, there's Oh no, I I know which my favorite game is: is Stunt Car Racer. That's that's a that's a, such an achievement uh, of of programming on the Commodore 64, and it's also really playable the game. And it's almost like having 3D graphics on the Commodore 64. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, like a feat feat of human engineering.
Yo, this is DJ Digital. Thanks again for checking out Andy on the Base Agenda Show. 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 Base Agenda Show.